Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Burnout Brighter Podcast. I am your host, Matt. But wait, what's that? Something's wrong. A shadow in the ether appears. You feel a chill down your spine. A chill. An imposter. Imposter. Doppelganger. Dobby. It's not Matt. It's Dobby. It's Dobby. (laughs) And Dobby's last name is Darren. Dobby Darren. Dobby Darren. As you can hear, I am not Matt. I am Darren. I don't know if you noticed. I, I did some fun stuff with my voice, and I think I, I hid my, my my real real voice pretty well. I, I could have sworn that you were Destiny. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> welcome. Matt uh, will be taking... A, Matt will be taking a back seat from the hosting. Bitches in the back. And Darren will be... Taking you for a mild ride, so pop on some tunes. Wait, don't pop on some tunes, then you can't listen to us. Which seat should I take? Always take the back seat. Bitches in the back. (laughs) So we are the Burnout Brighter Podcast. You can catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. If you haven't heard of us before, we're a podcast that focuses on video games and how they affect our mental health, both positively and negatively. And we've got a great show for you this evening. Oh, also I should mention, this is episode number 14. 14. 14. Um, And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about, well, first... We're going to talk about what the games we've been playing, and then we're going to talk about, um, oh my god. The games that matter. The games that matter. Man, this hosting thing is hard. The (laughs) games that matter, uh, which I will be covering, and then we're going to talk about some news. The news we have today is Half-Life Alex's official announcement and unveiling, uh, and with some news to follow on that, and then also Stadia's shaky launch issues. Uh, Shit the bed. That is putting it, I think, pretty lightly. And then finally, we're going to finish with our main topic, and this is the reason I'm hosting, is we're going to talk about Matt's gaming history. Uh, Because unfortunately, we are not joined by Destiny. Uh, We are very sad. She she tried to do a somersault in the middle of a staircase, and what happened was she perfectly completed the somersault, but... It's an old lady and hurt her foot. And hurt her foot. And that old lady is now going to sue her for millions of dollars in damages. But because she hit her with the right foot and not the left. If there's a loophole in the law that yep. protects her. And exactly. now we don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly, so we're good. So thankfully... Lawsuit that, finished. Lawsuit finished. I mean, that was the fastest case in history. Some, some, would, some would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, our last topic will be a look forward at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both the TV shows and the movies upcoming. Yeah, because when the boys are in town, the boys like to play with action figures. Some of those action figures are are superhero related. So if you take all those action figures and you smash them together a bit, Darren hosts the podcast and <laughs> I'm free to run loose. I don't know why you're calling them um, toys because I call them friends. I call them playthings. <laughs> Suck boy season. <laughs> so as you can hear, I am joined by Matt. Matt, say hello. Hey, everybody. 
Wow, it's kind of funny to be like the one not focusing on everything I say the entire time. I know. Just when I speak. This is weird, and yet I'm still saying weird things. Um, I don't think that'll ever kind of go away, but no, that's part of the fun. You could hold me at gunpoint, and I'll still tell you a weird story about grapes. I don't and- want to hold you at gunpoint. <laughs> All right, so Matt, I've got a question for you. Darren, what's your question for me? My question is, if you could pick, because right now it's um, Democratic Party election season in the United States, a country that neither of us are from. Okay. But it's the season for elections. Okay. Um, So my question is, if you could take any character that appears in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, Okay. Both DLC and base roster. Okay. Who do you think would make the best president? Okay. The best president would be Rob. Why do you say Rob? Interesting choice. Because Rob would be the best president because he would just look at the stats. He'd look at the numbers. He'd look at the science. And he'd ruthlessly kill millions to save billions. (laughs) Rob, Rob would get the job done. I think he'd save the world, and I think he would, over his his course as president, I think he would learn to love humans a little bit. Okay, I think you've talked about two very contradictory things. No. No? No. Well, you're at the very least prescribing to the extreme uh, version of utilitarianism. Yeah. Um, I think think Rob... With a hopeful idea that there will be love at the end. Yeah. I think Rob would would grow to love our chaotic chaotic nature, and I think he would save us all. I think all hail all hail Rob. All yeah, all hail Rob. That is, um, yeah. All right. Okay, I, Darren, I have, I have a question for you. So, oh God, here we go. Here we go. As you know, science progresses in leaps and bounds, right? <laughs> Actually, the technical term is metric leaps and bounds. <laughs> Anyways, so let's say that dental science specifically, you know, I think back to our friend Wes, the dentist, mm-hmm. who dentists people all the time, mm-hmm. right? Now, let's say tomorrow we wake up and there's news come out saying that dick dentistry is now a thing. Oh, God. That, oh. that the dick needs more care than, was, than what was previously thought. So, okay, so, okay, so hold on. Let me, let, me, let me paint the picture here. Okay. Let, me, let me whip the dick out and oh, paint a mural. Jesus. So, now let's say that all men have to do one of two things. Okay. They either have to brush the dick with, like, a imagine, like, a toothbrush mm-hmm. that we have now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's... Hard bristles. Why? These are these are these are not gentle to the touch. But that's it's, it's part of the process. That's there. not dentist recommended. It's, it's part. It, it is in this case. Okay. It, when it comes to dick dentist, that's the thing. Or you have to floss the dick. And how does that even work? Listen, you gotta floss the dick. You gotta get around. You gotta get. You gotta. You gotta make sure the dick is clean. So you have to either daily floss the dick or brush the dick, Darren. Would you be a floss man or a brush man? I think the obvious choice is flossing because I'm not sandpapering my penis. Well, I'm not saying, like, imagine, like, a, a, like a toothbrush that you can buy at the store now, but it's not, like, the softest toothbrush. It's, like, a like a more, like, stiff toothbrush. I'm yeah. not saying, like, sandpaper. No, but you're still rubbing bristles 
on your penis a floss at least you could like use it to like like a toothpick motion if you're careful you could like get in between the folds and like clean it properly but like say say one day you're flossing the dick and you get surprised and all of a sudden you make like a like a guillotine out of floss and you just take the head right off I, oh god okay i we're, we're gonna i i it, i i will say that i will be very careful because at least it's not sentencing me to permanently bristling my penis because i think i would rather be careful than have to go through pain and agony sometimes, every single day sometimes you need a sledgehammer to and, solve a problem that a toothpick could fix and sometimes that sledgehammer is on your dick is on my penis so, I was really trying very hard to segue that, and there was I was drawing a complete blank on how to bring that into what you've been playing. Yeah. But Matt, what have you been playing? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I've been playing this new dentist game. No. Uh, <laughs> it's called Dick Dentistry. It's called Dick Dentist. You know what? I'm making this game. Wes, you hear that? This is a new business this, proposition this is, for you. New business venture. It's my my game is called Dick Dentist. The main character is a is a man named. Mess, which is not Wes with the M with the W flipped upside down. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, that's I've, the real game you've been playing. I've been playing Star Wars still. Okay. I'm getting towards the end. I th- I think I'm in the final act. Um, <laughs> given as to where I am and what's happened, I've continued to really really enjoy this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the I've fallen in love more and more with the characters the more I've gotten to know them, which not that it surprises me because. I've heard a lot of good things about the characters, but mm. I'm getting to know Cal more and more. Uh, and do you like him as a character? I do. I do. Like the more you learn about him and the more time you spend with him, he has grown on me at least. Right. Um, and the rest of the cast is great too. The combat's fun. I have brought the difficulty down to Jedi Knight from Jedi Master, um, <clears throat> and I've enjoyed it much more this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not one for incredible difficulty in, in my games. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't like a challenge because some of these fights are still incredibly difficult. Right, right, there right. There was one boss fight in particular so far that I had to do, honestly, like 15 times really? because it was so tough. And it wasn't that it was unfair. It's just hard. Have you noticed that when you die, because I know there was a patch. I never checked to see if it improved the load times, but have the load times been improved? Um... I did notice that they're a bit better. Uh, like I said, the biggest load time that you have to worry about is the death. But if you're dying time. like 15 times on a boss, I know it's and like that. One of the things that I found annoying was like that checkpoint before the boss fight was a not far, but you had to go through four enemies right. and then like an elongated shuffling between tight walls sequence, oh. and then running down a long hallway to get back to the boss. So that was more that was irritating enough. Um, but again, the boss fight was super cool, and like I said, the game's been a lot of fun. I'm really, really curious to see where it goes, because I've heard the ending is fantastic, and I've heard, like, especially, like, the end sequences are really cool. How long, how much time do you think you've put into the game so far? Ah, uh, that's a great question. I would probably put it at somewhere around 20 to 25. Okay. Would be my guess. That's a, that's a good length, because you don't, I mean, you don't, I don't want to say you rush games, but you definitely don't go out of your way to collect everything. Well, no, I don't, and I don't explore every nook and cranny. Um, and so if you're still getting 25 hours out of it, that's yeah, good. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a good amount of game here. Um, and like I said, it's part of it was the challenge, for sure. <laughs> um, but the game is great, and I'm really, really liking it. And I'm really curious to see how it ends. Perfect. And the other thing I've been playing is more Pokemon Shield. Oh, yeah, so update on Pokemon Shield, please. Yeah, so I'm four badges in. Uh, all my Pokemon are, Pokemon are somewhere around level 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
love my team. Mm-hmm. I what's your roster right now? I don't want to say. Okay. I don't All right, because you're going to battle. With I have, Alistair. I have. Uh, Alistair and I have a rivalry. We have right. our next date set for this weekend. Once right. we all hit level fifty, um, this motherfucker wants me to wanted me to fight his E team. Not even his A, B, C, or D. He wanted me to fight his fucking E team because he got further than I did. And I was like, Alistair, you piece of shit. I will not fight your E team until I cream your A team. He's going to he's gonna be just throwing out six Pidgeys. I fucking, he fucking better. <laughs> um, no, I'm really liking it, though. Like, like I said, despite its flaws, I am enjoying it. The new Pokemon, I think, and the gym battles so far are the biggest draw for me. Mm-hmm. The game is insanely linear. Yeah. I, I've heard basically that... Dungeons essentially don't really exist anymore. And they don't. Um, I just went through like a forest area mm-hmm. and it was a pretty clear cut path forward with a couple of branches off. But it's usually um, just a branch off to grab an item and then come yeah, back. Yeah, and it wasn't very long. Yeah. Um, now, it looked great. Like I thought the design was cool. It just, the more I look, the more I play this game, the more I just wish it had a bit more time. And there's, there's weird things that they did like Nintendo and every fucking Nintendo affiliate needs to get their shit together when it comes to online because it's fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. They have this stamp system where essentially when someone does something, whether they catch a Pokemon or whether they are starting a max raid battle against a, a bigger Pokemon, mm-hmm. it loads up on your like stamp list. Yeah. And the only one that you can actively participate in mm-hmm. is these max raid battles. But again, they'll show up late, so you'll click on one to join... And it's already over. over. Oh, God. And it, 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 you can't do anything. But, like, it's shit like I'll see Alistair looking for a battle, mm-hmm. and I can't click on him to battle with him. We both have to, like, find each other. This was convoluted system. And then even still, it was. Oh, that's like how Splatoon worked. And it's like, and even still, even like, once we find each other, when we played each other the other day, it took us probably about 20 attempts just to connect for one fight. Oh, boy. Like, it's, their online that's is just, rough. and again, like, it's shit that's popping up, and like, the stamp will say, like, oh, like, I'm looking to have, like, a versus battle, like, who's interested, and you can't click on it, you can't do anything with it. Yeah, I think it's a couple things, because Nintendo does have constant issues with all of their online games, pretty much, for all their first-party titles, um, and also, maybe it's a balance of Game Freak just not really being that great at developing games because have they had issues like this before with previous Pokemon games? I'm not sure. Like, I'm, you never I'm, really use the online. I never really use the online and I'm not sure but like again like my biggest issue like knowing it's a Nintendo property I know yeah. there's going to be inherent online issues. Yeah, because they don't but have a party system. It's or just like fucking that. stupid that yeah. like it says like it pops up saying like who wants to battle who wants to like essentially inviting you to do this but you can't click and you can't click on it. That's ridiculous. So it's stupid in that respect or they'll be like you have these like league cards that you mm-hmm. can share with other people mm-hmm. um, and it'll say like Oh, who wants to trade league cards? You can't click on it. You can't fucking do anything. So now... All right, so you finish first. Yeah, so that, like, that's super frustrating. The thing that I have fallen in love with are surprise trades. Oh, yeah? What are the spi- surprise trades? So what the surprise trades are is essentially you just pick a Pokemon, mm-hmm. and it'll match you with somebody random and randomly trade your Pokemon. Oh, that's cool. So it's essentially like you can get fucking something really cool. My first surprise trade I did... So I went with Grookey as my starting Pokemon. Yeah. My first surprise trade I did, I got a Sobble. What? So I actually already have two out of the three starters by complete fluke. Will it only trade you with other people that have, like, if you're playing Sword, will it trade no, you? No, no, it's a completely random crapshoot. So it crosses between Sword and Shield? Yeah, and yeah. You get you, anything? Yeah. Wow. Because, like, I've read people online who have Shield, or who have Sword, who have gotten, like, the Galarian Ponyta. Wow. 
so it can it can totally work that you can get your exclusives just by randomly trading with people. I like that. That's a good feature. Now and again, it's entirely dependent on what the other person gives you. Still, but that's still good that for people that might not have the friends to play the game with that you know they have it. I, yeah. I, I have two other questions. For yeah. Um, first, how many badges have you earned? Four. Four out of eight. eight. So you're about halfway through the game. I would say so. At this point in the game. You you saw the review scores. They're pretty positive about the game. Would you say that it's rated correctly or underrated or overrated? Where is that on Metacritic? Do we know? Uh, I think it's, I think it's at like 80-something. I'm going to double-check that right let's, now. Yeah, let's take a quick look. Because honestly, like, like I said before, it still is a Pokemon game. So just inherently, it will be at least good, I oh, think. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty hard to screw up a Pokemon. So it's, an, it's at an 80 on, on Metacritic. So you think 8 out of 10 is I accurate? would put it a little lower than that. Mm-hmm. I'd probably stick it at about a 7. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, it does capture more of that kind of early Pokemon nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is pretty, like, it's pretty enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the gym battles are super cool. Uh, super cool. Like the switch to like a stadium aspect because now it's like mm-hmm. when you do a gym battle, it's in front of like a huge audience, a huge yeah. stadium of people. The visual aspect too is really good. And like each each thing has like a each gym has like a challenge that you have to do beforehand to fight the gym leader. Now in old Pokemon games, it's usually just get through these Pokemon or right. do this little thing. But this time, like um, the latest one I did, you had to like spin like a almost like a teacup. Mm-hmm. Like down like a pinball style yeah. thing to get to the end. Right. It's not difficult. No. But like it, it, it it's, it's a cool fun. it's a cool way to kind of break up the thing. Sure. And then after each section you'd fight a trainer, right? Right. Um I think a seven out of ten is probably where I put that it. That makes sense. If not a little bit like a six to five six point five to seven because okay. it's again, it's it's linear. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's easy. Mm-hmm. I have had no difficulty against any of the trainers or any of the gym battles right and like the writing is noticeably shit this time around really um i was watching some cutscenes and like listening to some of the characters talk and it just sounded like it sounded really boring like it just didn't sound that interesting there's there's interesting ideas there like your rival this time around a lot of people online have a lot of issues with him because he's Hawk. Co- yeah because he's constantly in your face yeah um I think his arc so far has been a little bit interesting, especially because for the first time, his team is a little bit different every time we fight him. Okay. And because his brother is the, the champion, champion, he deals with some insecurity. Right. And again, like I think there are interesting. I think I think the best thing I could say about this game is there are really a lot of cool ideas that I think if they had just more time, they could have made this into a great game instead of yeah. it just being a fine Pokemon game. Well then. Hopefully, for the next Pokemon game that comes out to the Switch, the Game Freak learns a bit from some of the complaints that people are having, and hopefully, the next one can improve on it a lot. I don't think they will, honestly. <laughs> like, really, like they just—they always just do whatever the fuck they want to do, and they throw features in and out like it's fucking like it's nothing. And there's even like a throwaway line from one of the NPCs here that being like, "Why do Pokemon only Gigantamax in the Gal- in the Galar region?" Like essentially already confirming that yeah, this mechanic they've added is not coming back. So well. again, we'll see. I'm. I don't know if they're going to learn anything. Again, the biggest thing that they needed with time was time. I wonder if they'll get it next time around. Uh, we'll see. And Darren, what have you been playing? Oh, oh, oh sorry. Another question. Say, one final thing is then let's not hope and let's instead just cross our fingers and pray to Arceus. 
I always played Arceus. <laughs> but not in Galar because he doesn't exist. He doesn't exist in Galar, right. I'm sorry. God yeah. does not exist in Galar. No. It's a godless region. No, at least they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Darren, what have you been playing? Um, I've still been playing Death Stranding. And like I said last time, it's going to be Death Stranding. Darren, Darren's Death Stranding for... Death Stranding Watch 2019. Weeks to come. Probably 2020. Uh, I made it to Chapter 4. Uh, nice. Which is past the point that reviewers were allowed to talk about. And as soon as you enter Chapter 4, I see exactly why. Uh, and I will not talk about it uh, until you do. Or, uh, do you like it? I do. Uh, do you continue to enjoy it? I continue it to is? enjoy it, except I don't like Chapter 4. Uh, really? And, and how, how far into Chapter 4 would you say you are? I mean, or at least how much time have you spent in Chapter 4? I have spent very little time in Chapter 4, but from what I can tell mechanically how Chapter 4 works, I think it's going to be a very cinematic and short chapter. Okay. And um, there is... I don't, I don't think at this point it's a spoiler to say that there are boss fights in the game. Right. There are boss fights in the game. Right, yeah. Um, and You encounter one pretty early on. There's a boss fight in Chapter 4, and, I mean, I'm playing on hard mode mm. uh, because I want to challenge myself for some weird reason. And also, if you do a standard order, uh, a premium standard order, because eventually you get to the point where you've got your main quests, your main orders are your main deliveries that progress the story. Right. And then you'll get something called standard orders, which I think... I don't. I can't confirm this, but I feel like they're just like kind of randomly generated default orders to different regions. Okay. That don't Take progress the, the story. But what you do is when you deliver it, the place you deliver it to, their star rating goes up, and every time they get a new star, they offer you some piece of equipment. Right. So it's there to basically advance it. But once you get standard orders. Um, a little bit later, they give you premium standard orders, which you take a regular order and you put more restrictions on yourself to make it harder, but then you get more likes for it. I see. Okay. Um, and if you're playing on hard, if you're playing on any difficulty other than hard mode, you get an S rank, it calls you a legend. But if you get a S rank on hard mode, it calls you a legend of legends. And on your profile that other people can view, it tells you how many legend of legend premium orders you've completed. Oh my god. And there's a, there's a trophy in the game that only like 0.2% of people have gotten, which is get 20 Legend of Legend ratings in every single category of delivery. Jesus Christ. So I'm working towards that. Of course you are. Um, but, so I'm, that's why I'm playing on hard mode. But Chapter 4 has a boss fight that I think is absolutely super awesome from like a visual and like thematic standpoint but sucks from a mechanical standpoint. Yeah. Because your character is not really meant to be fighting bosses. You're, the mechanics of the game don't work for boss fights. So I really like it, but I really hope I get through it soon because I've died like five times. Do you think that this was Kojima kind of being stuck at a bit of a crossroads with trying to make Death Stranding this I kind think, of more yeah. experiential wandering game mixed with this need for like the cinematic boss fights that he's known for because I mean the Metal Gear series is that's one of the staples that the series yeah. is known for right that's right do you think that he is was kind of stuck in between of wanting to do both or yeah, feeling like so. he needed to I think it's kind of a bit of an issue of Kojima wanting to have his cake and eat it too where he wants to try this new thing but he also knows is like hey people want boss fights people know I like boss fights and he does do very interesting boss fights the Metal Gear series has some of the most unique boss fights in like video games I've played 
Um, and this is very unique, even more so unique than the boss fight you fight in, you know, chapter one or two or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of stinks, in my opinion. All right. Well. Um, but, I mean, once I get through it, I will continue on because I'm really enjoying the game. Awesome. Well, I'm curious to get back to it. I know it's on my chopping block once I'm finished Jedi, which I think I'm going to finish in the next couple days, and then yeah. back to the stranding it is. Funny enough, Destiny did mention that she's finished watching Jacksepticeye play it. Oh, really? So she was like, where are you? I was like, chapter three, she, and she started laughing at me. <laughs> um, so I think we're in for a lot more than possibly we yeah. realize. I've put a lot of time into the game, and I don't know how many chapters there are, but I think it was spoiled a little bit for me. I, I don't know how many there are, but I know... A number that's higher than I was ever expecting. Oh Christ! <laughs> okay, so, well I guess we'll see. People seem to love it all the way through, so we'll see. And segue, segue. Yeah. I was planning on doing Death Stranding for my game that matters. Right. But I um I'm not going to because I haven't beaten the game yet. And I don't think it's fair. But I will say that Death Stranding actually has been a pretty important. Uh, game in my life at this moment, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about it more once I finish it. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do a spoiler cast once we're done. Yeah. So, the game that I've chosen for my game that matters is not like Death Stranding to say. Um, it's a little game called Cookie Clicker. Uh, uh, do you mean Candy Crush? No, I mean Cookie Clicker. This sounds like the porno version of Candy Crush. It is, you know what? Maybe it is. Um, <laughs> no, Cookie Clicker. Have you ever heard of Cookie Clicker, Matt? I have literally never heard of this game in my fucking life, Darren. I think I am pushing the definition of game that matters with this one. Okay. I might even be pushing the definition of game with this one. Or the definition of matters. <laughs> or the definition of the word letters C and C and M for Cookie Clicker Matters. God damn it. Um, I, uh, so okay, Darren, what the fuck is Cookie Clicker? It is a browser game. Okay. Um, made by one man. Um, and it is a game where you click a cookie. You take your mouse and you click on a picture of a cookie. Okay. And that's the game. So, what do you mean? Okay, so... Every time, what I'm picturing right now is just a browser screen with a cookie that comes up, and you just click on it, and the cookie goes away, and the cookie comes next. Yeah, and that's how it starts. But then it goes so much further. So it's one of these games where um, kind of like the atmosphere and mystery around it kind of, you know, is part of the the fun of it. So you start off, and you're just cooking it, clicking a, you're cooking a clicky. You're, you're you're clicking a cookie. Cooking a cook. Cooking. You're, that's a different story. <laughs> I'm not okay. Anyways, um, you're clicking this cookie, and every time you click a cookie, you get you basically bake a cookie per click. And every time you click a cookie, you've baked one cookie. And then once you start to bake enough cookies, you can use those cookies to purchase upgrades to help you click the cookie more. Okay, so. When you start this game, does it literally just say, like, click the cookie? Yes. Like, is that all the direction that you're given? Yes. And okay. you can see that there's a menu on the side with purchases of different prices. Okay, like okay, You can okay. actually see the shop and everything. Okay, sorry, go on. It's not just a blank screen with a cookie. Right. Uh, there's a cookie in the court, like, in the left hand of the screen, and then on the right hand of the screen is all the, the things you can purchase. Right, okay. Click so, the cookie. So the cheapest you can get is another mouse. You can buy multiple mice to click the cookie for you. And so every... 
cookie, you get three clicks. So it's like every, every second, every second, a pointer, a mouse will click the cookie and give you zero point one cookies. So in ten seconds, you'll earn one cookie for for one mouse for the auto click for the auto click. But then you buy more, and you can buy like then you get ten mice, and that means every second you get one cookie, and then you buy. After you could buy mice, you could buy grandmothers, and grandmothers will cook more cookies faster. What the fuck? And then after you buy grandmothers, you can buy, uh, I think, like a cookie farm, that a farm that grows cookies. Okay. And you can get like a cookie mine, and then like a cookie alchemy lab, and like everything that make a cookie rocket ship to go to space and harvest cookies from asteroids. Okay, this was not at all where I thought this was going. Uh, no, and um, and so what's really funny about the game is there's like a little newsreel at the top that tells you like the progress of the world based on how many cookies you're clicking and how many cookies you're baking, and eventually the world starts to become like a cookie-based economy. Okay, Darren, and why is this a game that matters? So <laughs> I feel like I had to really put that preamble ahead of time. To I understand, really understand. Because I didn't know what the fuck this yeah. game was, and so, now I'm just confused. So this matters to me... Uh, because I think this is a perfect example of the reward loop of most video games brought down to its basest element. You click a button and a number grows bigger. It rewards you, you for it. It rewards you for it. And the more you click this cookie, the bigger your number gets to buy more things to make your number bigger faster. And it never ends. And that is like, I think, RPG design in its purest form. You level up to get more stats, to get more loot, to make yourself stronger, to hit harder, to hit bigger enemies, to get more experience, to get more armor, to just, it just cycles and cycles and cycles. So what you're saying is destiny is the cookie clicker of space. That is exactly what I'm saying. I see. And I think it's a perfect... for Not me, our co-host. No. <laughs> yes, the video game Destiny. Yeah. I, I, I think... Not the lifestyle if Destiny. I can, if I can predict what Destiny's thinking right now listening to this, she's probably thinking just a deep amount of shame on me She's right probably now. ready to smack us both through the microphone. Yeah, probably. Um, but This it, is what happens when the boys are in town. <laughs> we talk about clicking on cookies. And... Cookies and clicking cookies really sounds like some kind of weird sexual euphemism, and I don't know why. I don't know why either. So, what about this game matter to you? Is like I. So, so this is the negative aspect of me because I have a little. I have a lizard brain, and the lizard brain in me is the same brain that makes me want to play these kinds of RPGs. That are you know you you grow your numbers, you grow your loot, like playing something like Path of Exile, where you're just making this character to hit harder things to get better loot, to hit harder things to get right. better loot. Uh, or Borderlands, or other MMOs, which I don't really play, but MMO That have a similar structure. It's all about this Pavlovian response to give you a little reward to make you go further. And I, that's important to me, not just because it, 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 it brought out a lot of negatives in me. Okay. Uh, this is, I think, matters to me personally from a negative perspective. Because I got really addicted to this game. And I would spend... I am not joking... Three hours clicking cookies. Clicking cookies and growing my army and just counting down the seconds to wait for the next upgrade. And the game does put some other like more active elements where you can get randomly like a golden cookie will appear on the screen and you can click it. So you have to be watching it. It right. wants you to watch the screen. Um 
and the game itself is actually really well made. There's a ton of this is a whole genre. Clickers are a genre. There are other games out there that right. are like this. Yeah. But Cookie Clicker, in my opinion, does it the best because it's also very funny. The writing is good, and so I loved this game. I got obsessed with it because it. I love. I don't want to spoil it, but I love weird, bizarre, culty horror that creeps up on you when you're not expecting it. And there might be some darker elements to the game's story. And, but it really kind of, there was times where I would actually, like, I wouldn't do my work. I'd procrastinate. It would put me into a spot where all I would want to do is click these cookies. And I think, for me, this game is a perfect example of the dangers of putting that kind of game design into other video games. Uh, And more, I think it's more insidious in games that make you want to pay for them with microtransactions. Right. I think this game For example, if you paid five bucks, you can now click 10 cookies in a second, for example. And and thankfully, this game doesn't have that. Right. But there are, there's a game called Clicker Heroes, where you can buy premium currency. There you go. And also just for like MMO design, for stuff like um, like loot boxes and things like that, giving mm-hmm. you more things to get yourself more loot, to get yourself more experience. Right. It's also, but that's also that part of your brain that that gets addicted to things like gambling, right? Yeah. It's that, yeah, it's that, that gambling it, mindset. It's, it's that need to what's behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. What's in the box? Like the, the the chance of getting something super fucking cool. It like that 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 feeling of opening up a loot box for the first time. It's incredible, right? Like, it it, then that's part of why there are governments around the world who are trying to rally to make them illegal, which is why yeah. it's been successful in already a couple of places, right? Exactly. Because it's that, it's that need to one more try. I didn't get the thing that I know I only have a point zero zero one percent chance of getting. Yeah. But but what if I got it? Yeah. What if I got it next? And, and this game really reached its roots into me, and I became a cookie myself. Right. That explains why you're now so circular. And so, so chocolatey. So I think I would still recommend people check out the game because I think if you're interested in what I'm talking about, I think Cookie Clicker is the safest environment to do it in because it will not ask you for money. It is a self-contained thing. It's free. You just search Cookie Clicker online um, and... It is fun and it's well written. Like I think it's actually like a well made game in the genre. Um, if, <laughs> it just it just didn't hit you. It just in the r- hit me in the right place. And I will probably, some point this year or years from now, go click back to it because I will drop it and I'll come back to it because I got to a point where I pretty much got every achievement in the game because right. it has achievements. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, now I'm done. Yeah. And then, but he updates it and he adds more, so I'll, I'll go back to it at some point. It's just doing it in a way that you recognize that it's healthy. Yeah, right, and exactly. at this point, I will actually I'll download people's JavaScript code off the internet to make it go faster, so it doesn't waste my time so much. There you go, and I can experience the new content. And you cl- and you click the cookies, and I can click the cookies. Right, fair enough. So, um, well, thank you for indulging me in my cookie experience. I I have learned far more about a genre I never knew existed. Wow. And, well, speaking of games that are. You know, more uh, better designed than uh, a cookie clicker or bigger games. Or games that actually exist. Games that exist. <laughs> On to the news. News, 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 news. Our first news first, 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 item first. is about a, a game, 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 game. Named Half-Life Alex. House, 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 house. 
So uh, this is Half-Life Alex was officially announced um, and revealed with a trailer uh, VR game for Oculus and Index. Any of the PC-based. Any of the PC-based uh, VR headsets. Uh, here's a news article coming from James O'Connor at GameSpot. It says, The reveal has happened, and we've gotten a Half-Life Alex trailer release date window, March 2020, and other details, including the fact that it will support all PC VR headsets, even including things like the Oculus Quest. Valve, uh, Oculus Quest being the headset that you don't actually need a computer to play. Right, yeah. Uh, Valve has opened pre-orders and also showed screenshots and other details about what to expect. And another update that the article doesn't mention, but was mentioned later, is that uh, there is more information to come at the Game Awards on December 13th. Game Awards, Game Awards, Game Awards. Game Awards. So, Matt, what do you think about Half-Life Alex now that you've seen the trailer? Um, I am more excited about it than I was. I like I said, I'm not big on Half Life, but the trailer sold me on the game in a way that, have, like being a big VR consumer myself, mm-hmm. I love VR. I own a PS VR and I have a lot of fun with it. Um, the things that the trailer was showing off, like the interactivity mm-hmm. of the just regular items on shelves, on shelves and stuff. If it is to the extent that they're showing it, I think it would be super, super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the barrier to entry with this game is high. Yeah. Um, because it is PC-based, right? And not mm-hmm. to say that PSVR is any cheaper because mm-hmm. of the PS4 that you have to buy to yeah. also use it, but you'll need a monster PC alongside, unless you're using the Oculus Quest mm-hmm. on top of the one of the more expensive things. Now, I'm curious to see if there will be any sort of spike for any sort of VR sales once this comes out um half-life is a series that traditionally does do big numbers and Mm -hmm. it has been quite a long time since we've seen the last half-life uh i think it looks better than what i was expecting both graphically and just the way that the game looks like it's going to be played it is a full game quote unquote right it's not just a half-life experience i think the the quote or someone saying that they're targeting uh the same length of half-life too which, which is about like 12 to 15 hours. Which is great. Which is probably one of the longer uh, VR games on the market, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. Like I said, I unfortunately, I won't play it unless it comes to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think it will. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it a year or two down the line, given that we are seeing more... Like, I mean, we did see stuff like the Orange Box come to consoles. Yeah. Um, and with PSVR really being the biggest singular marketplace for VR. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it a little bit ways down. Right, right. Or if I wouldn't... What what I'm kind of expecting would be a PS5 slash PSVR 2. That's what I'm thinking more, I think. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it came to console. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think it'll happen soon. And because and from my understanding, the Oculus Quest is not the highest end in terms of like graphical quality and stuff like that. No, um, it's supposed to be fine. Like I, it's. I just checked the price. It's four. It's a three hundred ninety nine US dollar price tag. Right. It's probably the cheapest VR headset to get into, in the sense that you don't need a computer to use. Or a, or a PS four. You can right. just use it as is. And if it's coming to Oculus Quest, it probably could be ported. I, I think it would have to be a PS five thing just to be able to run it. I think, uh, maybe with um, PSVR two. Who knows? But what do you think? Like, were you sold on it in the sense that... Uh... 
I'd have to see more, honestly, because, like I said, I'm not big into the Half-Life universe as a game. Like, mm-hmm. as uh, like if you took out Half-Life for a second and just did the trailer saw me on the game, I'm interested. I'm more interested now than I was before. It looks like you won't have to know too much about the Half-Life universe to play it either, because in the game lore, it takes place in between 1 and 2. Okay. So, 2 hasn't happened, so you wouldn't need to know anything about 2 right. to play it, unless the people are speculating that it will... Uh, actually lead into the events that take place after Half-Life 2 Episode 2. I've heard people speculating that the last bit of the game, or I mean, people speculating slash hoping that the last bit of the game will actually take place kind of in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that too, because the last game ended on a serious cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. I'm Darren, do you think that this will come to 2D? Do you uh, think that after a year, let's say, that they're going to bring Half-Life Alex over to just traditional PC and console? I don't think so. And I think the reason is because it would, I think based on the way that I've, what I've seen in the trailer, I don't think that that would be possible because a lot of these mechanics are built around being able to move your hands. And I think it's like the same reason we don't see a lot of VR games being ported. We see 2D games being ported to VR a lot, but we don't really see it the other way around. Right. I can't think of a single example actually of it happening the other way around. I know there's games that have come out at the same time, but I'm not sure about which where development started. Kind of, yeah. Because like the Invisible Hours is both on PS4 and on. Yeah, but that's usually PS4 stuff where it's like simultaneously. Right, that's what I mean. So that's, that's what I mean. Um, would, and I, I also Valve doesn't really need any money, so yeah, I, I think it's. I'm curious. I'm very curious to see. I'm looking forward to it too, especially with those index controllers. I don't know if you've seen them, but yeah, like the finger-sensitive ones. That's where all the movement came. But they'll have to make a downgrade for it for their consoles. To, yeah. All their controls, too, so who knows? Yep. Uh, I guess we'll see more when the Game Awards come I around. think so, too. Our next topic, and our last news topic, because not much news this week. No. But uh, Stadia launched, and it wasn't great. Yep, it's out. So, Matt, have you heard... Oh, right. i got to start with a little article here. Man, hosting... It's a it's a new it's a new thing, Matt. I can't believe you do this every week. I every week. Every week. Wow. Well, good. Yeah. Thanks, I, man. I never <laughs> want to host again. Well, <laughs> I'm 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 sticking on the training wheels for now. We'll see what happens one day when when the when training wheels are off and you bust your lip open. Someday when you grow older, all of this will be yours, Darren. Someday, everything the light doesn't touch will still be mine. <laughs> So, this article comes from Keith Noonan at Fool.com. By most accounts, Stadia has debuted with worse-than-expected responsiveness to player inputs and visuals and a variety of missing features. Some early adopters who've paid for the service have yet to receive their download codes, and there are a host of other reasons critics and players are disappointed. So this wasn't the full release. This is actually just the um, Founders Edition release, essentially. So Matt, what do you think of the Stadia launch? I'm both not surprised and surprised. I knew there would be issues. I figured stuff like just based on influx of players coming in at one time, Mm -hmm. things like... um, people still figuring out their internet in terms of lag and how it runs those things don't surprise me the degree to which they are happening and the fact that players it took 
some players days to get on the service when they pre-ordered it. Mm-hmm. Those things shock me. I saw a video of a guy playing where he he presses the jump button and it takes a full half second before the character reacts on screen. And That's on top on top of the fact that a lot of people are complaining about things like they're playing on their PC and it's running okay. They switch to something like Chromecast, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be able to do it because they have the controller. Mm-hmm. And it just won't work. It's on the same network. There's There's been a lot of issues about people trying to play the games. There's been issues of, like I said, players getting their codes days later. Yeah. Days later. Um, and it's actually... Uh, I saw something about the Destiny 2 concurrent players. Um, because Destiny, the Destiny pack is free. It's free. That's the only free game that they have at right. the moment. So, and it was the lowest on Stadia by far. Are. The well, PS4 had something... Well, just to give you context, yeah. the PS4 had something like... If I remember correctly, it had something around 400,000 players playing concurrently. Right. The Stadia had something like 16,000. I'm not too surprised about that one just because I don't think they've launched too many... But their founders, no, but the, those founder packs sold out. Oh yeah, like they were, they were sold. Like you were unable to buy it yeah. right away. It seems also, and like, and like I said, I'm using Destiny Two as an example yeah. because the game was free. Because it was the free one, yeah. That's the one that everybody should have been playing. Yeah. So, I'm really, really curious, uh, Darren. Do you think this is gonna live? No, I don't. I think Google has such a notorious track record of starting new projects and then abandoning them that I think they'll try and support it for a couple years, but I can't see it taking off and because there's other issues too with, um, you know, streaming quality and things like that. That seems like it was basically a lie. Well, there's also like just like features and shit that are missing that people were expecting. Yeah. Um, but so the thing is, it's like Google has brought on notable people from the industry on top of they're like bringing in development talent. Mm hmm. You they, do you think they're just going to shut it all down? Do you think they take a pivot and have people keep making games for other consoles? I think it's going to go down like how Google Plus went down, where it'll be a very quiet decline. And people, I think developers are just going to stop supporting it, and then they're going to kind of just like let it fade into obscurity. Because the thing is, is these games quality seems to be also very dependent on the game itself and what developers do for it. Right. Um, but, I mean, the whole benefit that this had was to play it seamlessly on, like, Google Chrome or a Chromecast, and the thing is, it's like it doesn't seem like that's, like, very viable. It's early. It's early days. I just, I wonder how it'll perform a year from now. I wonder, like, a year from now, as we're sitting down to do this, this podcast, and we're talking... Yeah, when the free version comes out and... When the free version comes out and when they've had more time just to work on it on their end, because, again, betas and everything else can only tell you so much. Once you're out in public, it's a whole other ordeal. So, like, I'm... I don't know what will happen with Stadia yet, but I'm very, very curious to see what happens. Do you think it will last? I don't know. I think it stands a chance. No. Um, being the first one to the market with this kind of technology... Well, they're not really the first one to the market. They are, though. They are with this type of technology, especially with significant backing. What what specific kind of technology? Streaming only. Right. Well, they had OnLive. Right, but like OnLive didn't have massive support from AAA developers. Right. No, but I'm just saying it's, yeah, yeah. It's, the, the, the technology existed. Right, but again, like that was like, what, like seven or eight years yeah. ago when it, it was if, much more in its, in its infancy than it was than it is now. Uh, I'm I'm very curious. I mean, especially with Xbox, not far behind them, mm-hmm. they are planning on launching Project X Cloud 
in the next year or so, if I right. remember correctly. So, like, if I, it, I think this idea will not go away. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see if Google's going to stay with it. That's good. That makes sense. I agree. Okay, that wraps up our news. News, news, news. So, Matt. Yeah, Darren. There comes a time. <laughs> there comes a time in every boy's life where hey, he looks back. Yeah. On all the games he's played. Yeah. And he sheds a tear. Yeah. And then for all the love and then that he's gained. And then what? And all the love that he's lost. Yeah, and then and then and then he comes on a podcast and then and he talks about it. And then so Matt and then <laughs> No and then Matt, we're going to talk about your gaming history. Yes, sir. And you and I go way back. Way, way back. But Back to the days of Billy Hatcher and his giant egg. What an egg it was. It was a voluptuous egg. It was. It had some curves. But, I mean, we don't go back to before the time that you were an egg. No, I don't think anybody does. So, I'm, I'm curious to know how your, <laughs> I'm curious to know how your gaming life started. Matt, what's the very first game you remember playing? The earliest memory of video games that I have is getting a PlayStation for Christmas one year. And the, the reason why I remember this one so specifically is because... It was in the house that I remember before I moved, and I moved only in, like, grade one or grade two. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, I remember being in this living room, um, and I remember getting a PlayStation. And at the, t- at the time, I was like, I don't remember <laughs> knowing what it was. I just I remember getting it. Right. And the game I remember booting up for the very first time was Hercules, Disney's Hercules. <laughs> um, I guess it would have been around the time that the movie came out. Yeah. Um, and I remember playing it and being like, holy shit, like that character is doing what I tell them to. Yeah. And I remember playing for a very brief amount of time. For, my family opens up presents on Christmas Eve. It's right. always been that way. Um, and I remember playing it for a bit and then my parents being like, time to go to sleep. And I remember being like, motherfuckers. <laughs> they give me sleep. this thing and they take it away. They give and they take. But How I remember, dare they? I remember going to sleep, and I remember waking up very early the next morning. Obviously, you're a kid, you're giddy. Mm-hmm. When you're that young, getting up in the morning is, is not it's no fucking problem. E- easy. Um, but I remember getting up probably around 6 or 7 in the morning and, and running to the, to the living room, and there sat my dad and my uncle, yeah. who had literally played all night. Those <laughs> motherfuckers kicked me off so that they could play. Um, what, so, what? Did you get any other games for it, too? I don't remember anything else that I got at that moment. I'm pretty sure I also got Crash, mm-hmm. um, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the earliest games that I can remember, they're Crash and, and Hercules. Mm-hmm. Crash 1? Crash 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you ever play games, any games at people's houses or anything before that, do you, if you remember correctly? That is literally the first memory of video games that I have. Wow. Um, whether I did or if I didn't, I'm not sure, but that is that is the earliest memory that I have of playing video games. And you're wearing a PlayStation shirt and right I'm, now. I'm wearing a PlayStation shirt right now. How so, appropriate. So obviously that, that spark was lit in me as a PlayStation fanboy from an <laughs> early age. Um, and I remember spending a lot of time with the PlayStation 1. Um, I 
remember playing, as I mentioned a couple day, a couple podcasts ago, playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2 with my dad a lot. I have a lot of memories of playing with my dad early on. Um, and I don't remember every game that we played, mm-hmm. but I remember spending time with him. I remember playing, I remember playing stuff like Harry Potter. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first one, Philosopher's Stone, Philosopher's Stone would have been on that on on the PS1. Got to collect those beans. Got to collect those beans. Um, I remember a lot of birthdays and Christmases being super excited because being like, "What game am I, I going to get next?" Um, and a lot of my earliest memories are playing with my dad, and he would. Similar to when I spoke with Destiny, he'd bring home a lot of games for me, whether they were from Rogers or Blockbuster, mm-hmm. or, uh, I mean, at the time, we had a modded console, so he'd get games from a buddy at work, and he'd mm-hmm. bring them home and he'd be like, play this shit. So I remember playing stuff like Digimon World, mm-hmm. um, oh. and I fucking love those games. Digimon World 1, 2, and 3, all three of them hold a very, very special place in my heart. One can go lick a dick, because <laughs> it's a little bit different from the other ones. Um, How so? It was very much more life sim, where oh, you had to like raise the Digimon, oh, okay. while two and three were a bit more straightforward. More RPG, like, more like Tamagotchi kind of thing. Kind of, yes, exactly. Um, and I loved, loved, loved my PlayStation One. What would you say is the most important game to you from the PlayStation One? Honestly, I would probably. That's hard for me because, like, I remember playing stuff like stuff like like NHL Blitz. Yeah, I remember playing stuff like Spyro in Crash One, Two, and Three. Crash Two is actually the earliest game that I can remember actually wanting. Right. That's one that I remember being like, I we're going to the store to buy this game because I want uh, it. I want this. Like, game right it's now. it's it's the earliest game that I can think about being like, Dad. Like, I actively need this game. Need this game, right? It's so. If you don't get this game. I will literally shit, shit everywhere. everywhere. I'm so glad we just did that. Um, uh, but like, I so honestly for me, like I'd probably say the Crash series. I remember playing Twisted Metal, mm-hmm. um, but that was I remember playing Twisted Metal Small Brawl, and like as as the PlayStation kind of stayed with me as we moved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I met some of my kind of closest friends as I kind of started to grow up a bit, and where these gaming memories come to me more and more is playing stuff like. Uh, one of the earlier Star Wars games. Hmm. Uh, Which one? Episode one, I think. Oh, okay. Um, with one of my best friends at the time. I remember playing a lot with Aaron, mm-hmm. who we would come over to each other's houses sometimes at lunchtime, mm-hmm. even just like take breaks from school. My, my or his parents would come pick us up. We'd mm-hmm. have lunch, play mm-hmm. some games, um, playing stuff like fucking Tuma. I remember having. Tuma. I remember playing Tuma and not being able to get past like the first fucking level <laughs> because I didn't remember how to open like a gate or something like that. Your, now your shorts weren't purple enough. Looking back, I'm not sure if because I was playing a modern version of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was a thing that was built in. Oh, like an anti-piracy thing. Possibly. I like again. These are early days for piracy, so I'm like, yeah. Again, it's just remember. Yeah. Who knows? My memories as a fucking child, right? Yeah. Or if I just sucked and I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um. So the PlayStation 1 has a really, really fond place in my heart, and I, I don't know if I could pick one. singularly pick one, but the Crash series has always been, has had a special place in my heart because that is one of the earliest series. And again, Disney's Hercules, just because I I loved it. I loved it. And I didn't really play any JRPGs or any RPGs at the time. Like, that, that, love, yeah. that love for that kind of game came, I think, much later. And it sounds to me, because when we were talking about my gaming history, we were talking about, like, the genres of games that I played. It sounds like the genres of games that you played were quite varied like it went from sports games to platformers to to racing games to just action games i think a lot of it was because of 
it was also just driven by what my dad also Want. wanted to play at the right. time. Um, my parents had me when I was young, or mm-hmm. when they were young. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my parents had me when I was young, but they had me when they were young. So I think a part of that was just this new technology that was coming up, and my dad was like, "Let's try this stuff." And yeah. again, I'm so thankful that he got it and he took us down. He took my down that path because I learned a lot of love for a lot of different games that I never would have played in my life. But I think the ones that I played the most were platformers, right? Which makes sense for the era too, right? Right. So then after the PlayStation 1, what came next? The next one that I remember was the Game Boy Pocket. Really? That is the next, any sort of gaming device, the next, that would have been my first handheld. Mm -hmm. But I remember being very sick. I remember being really sick and at home, and I I was sick for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents getting me the Game Boy Pocket as a way of, like, I guess, to shut me up while I was (laughs) sick in bed. Um, or to give me something to do, right? And the game that I remember most clearly is one of the... I, I guess it would have been Wario World 1. Or Wario Land. Wario Land, thank you. Um, I remember being like, who the fuck is this fat Mario? And why am I playing... Why am I playing him? But I remember playing the shit out of that game. And the other major game that I remember from the Game Boy Pocket days would be Pokemon Red. Right. So you had this game, uh, game Boy Pocket, black and white, right? Black and white. No black color. And white. I didn't have that chunky motherfucker. I got the. I got. The, I remember getting the pocket, um, and I remember. And I got Pokemon before the anime had started. Really? So I got the game, and I was like, "What the fuck are all of these monsters? What What am I doing? Right? Where am I going?" And just by figuring it out, and then I remember seeing like a commercial, must have been on like YTV or Fox Kids, or they'd be yeah, like, yeah. "Yo, that's Pikachu." That's Pikachu. That's the, that was from my game. That's Pikachu. Um, and that's, again, where my love for Pokemon started. That's so interesting. And I don't remember too much else from the Game Boy Pocket, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I played much more, but the ones that I always, the ones that stand out to me would be the... Wario Land. Wario Land and Pokemon Red. I've always wanted to get into the Wario Land series, uh, because Wario Land 3 and 4 both looked really fun and unique. Um, it's a shame. But that's so cool. My first uh, handheld was Pokemon. Not Pokemon. My first handhold was Pokemon. Was well, so just Pokemon. It was the Game Boy Color. And yeah. so I got Pokemon Red. It was in color. And I'd seen the anime at that point, And that's why I wanted Pokemon was because of the anime. Pokemon Red was never in color. You would have gotten silver. No. it Well, by color, I mean it had a red, red tint. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Uh, it, it was in one color. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the next thing that I remember. Okay, so we went PlayStation, we went handheld. Mm-hmm. Is the next thing another console? The next thing that I remember, and again, I think like, I don't remember exactly how alongside this was, but the next two that I majorly remember would be the N64 and the Game Boy Color. So you had an N64. I did have an N64. For some reason, I don't remember you ever having an N64. I did. I, and the ones that kind of stand out to me from that one, I remember going to church and on the way to church grew up a grew up a catholic boy mm. born and raised never touched never touched um <laughs> i uh i remember going to walmart and i was like i keep saying seeing these commercials for super smash bros right. like, i see pikachu i see mario i see that green guy in his sh- in his fucking tunic yeah i want to play this game and at that point my brothers had both come along so i remember being like i want i want mom like mom Mom, I want to play this game. And I remember going to Walmart and picking out the lime green one. The, like, the see-through one. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, but we got to go to church now. We went to church. And my mom had this thing that she used to do to us to make sure that we were paying attention. She'd, like, quiz us about what the priest said <laughs> on the way home. 
and I never listened more than I listened that fucking day because I was like I need to nail this shit if I want to play this when yeah. I get home and I remember sitting there and never never before and never after did I pay so much attention to what he was saying and I remember sitting in the car at home and being like I got these I got these questions and I, I remember answering to the best of my ability but I got home and she's like alright you can open it you were the goodest of boys I was the goodest of all the boys there um, and I opened up Super Smash Bros. and I started playing. And I think Adam would have been just... He wouldn't have been very old at the time. And Data would have been even less so. But I remember starting the game up and then just going to school the next day and being like, guys, I got it. And a couple of my friends had it. And just one of the things that I miss most fondly about gaming nowadays compared to when we grew up was the like mystery around games. Right. right? Nowadays, we know exactly what's coming, when it's coming, and yeah. what's going to happen. Right. We, yeah. There isn't too much question as to what's in a game yeah but i remember that day like you know that period of my life calling each other being like i just unlocked captain falcon i like this is how i did it yeah. maybe if you try it this way and trying all the random shit that you could possibly think of to try and unlock more characters and yeah. be like oh i heard master i heard you can unlock master hand yeah if you if you lose a hundred times or whatever the yeah, fuck, yeah. Or whatever the and none of us were using the internet at the time to try and look online or anything no because it just wasn't commonplace yet yeah. right so and especially at our age yeah so and seeing all these characters you've never seen before like who is this Captain Falcon man exactly right and being like what the fuck what's a Ness yeah and why is this little boy fighting my favorite electric monster man um, so and the other game that I remember really clearly from the N64 is fucking Star Wars um, pod racing pod racing thank you I almost said podcasting which is not the right thing <laughs> Star Wars po- podcasting Star Wars podcasting Sorry. that's what every other podcast hosted, in the world does hosted by Watto oh, um, and I remember playing that with Aaron actually and I remember renting that game having to return it and then immediately renting it again so that we can keep playing it because we loved that game but that yeah. game was hard as shit yeah um, fun game though it was fun uh, but I honestly don't remember too much else because I remember my cousin had an N64 and that's kind of where my need for it started so I played Super Mario 64 but I always played it with him at his house right. I never owned it so you never really played uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name some N64 classics off the top of my head and see if you've played them okay so Super Mario 64 did you you never beat it but you played it no I I, I beat it like we like we oh, played did. it together right. like we were like we at the point we only lived oh, like two minutes away from each other okay so we we played it a lot together yeah. Ocarina of Time nope Majora's Mask. Nope. Banjo Kazooie. Yep. Oh, so you done Banjo? Did I, you did you own it? Or no, rented it. You rented it. I okay. did a lot of renting in that period right. of my life. So, how many N sixty four games do you think you actually owned? I couldn't even hazard a guess. Like, I would probably say less than ten. Right. Um, then Majora's Mask. Nope. I did not play Zelda until I want to say Wind Waker. Wow. Uh, or one of the Oracles games. Right. Uh, Donkey Kong 64. Yep. Okay. Um, Diddy, Diddy, Diddy Kong, Kong Racing. Racing. Of course, yep. Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, 1080 Avalanche Snowboarding. I remember that one. Kirby 64. Yes. Rented it. F- Again. What? Okay, yeah, yeah. Again, a lot of these games are rented. F-Zero? No. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Conker's Bad Fur Day? No. Nope. Probably too, too, too adult. Mature. Too, too mature. Too mature, yeah. My parents wouldn't even let me watch The Simpsons growing up, so I mean, I I did, definitely did not play fucking Conkers. I have a copy of Conkers Bad Freddy on the on the N sixty four still, only because my mom wanted to play it. That's hilarious. <laughs> of course she did. That's amazing. Uh, Goldeneye. Yep. I I played a lot of Goldeneye with uh, a couple of kids down the uh, that lived down the street. 
He okay. had it. He I had never it. owned it. So we would, I was always at his place playing it. Was Did you, did you play a lot of GoldenEye? I played a shit ton of GoldenEye. <sighs> Such a good time. All right. Uh, anything that I'm missing that you did play or didn't play? Nothing that honestly jumps out at me. Um, I loved my Mario parties. I, or Mario Kart. Rented, rented, rented and played. Kart. Um, the first Mario Kart that I remember most vividly would be Double Dash. Right. I fell in on Nintendo a lot more with the GameCube yeah. than I did with the N64. We, we have very opposite brand upbringings in yeah. terms of like PS1 was more your thing. You had an N64. It sounds like you didn't really play it as much. I played the PlayStation more than I did the N64. Yeah. The N64 was your smash machine. More so than, than anything else. Right. Oh, the one that I remember... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Oh, I played yeah. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. But did you have the PS1 version of that? N64. Interesting. The reason being was... And the reason I remember this so vividly is because um, we had a copy, but we didn't have the extra memory card that oh, we needed to save it. For the PS1. For the P- No, for, for, the the, N64. for the N64. Okay. Because you need the cartridge thing that plugs into the back of the controller to yeah. be able to save. So I remember playing the beginning of that game over and over and over and over and over again until it was actually my buddy who lived down the street that he convinced his bomb to buy a memory card. So he would bring his memory card over to my place. He also had an N64, so he didn't just get it for for shits. But he'd bring it over to my place until it was my parents to get one, and that's how we played Tony Hawk. Man, did you play any... Was that multiplayer? Uh, Yes, it was. You you could do stuff like horse. We played a lot of horse. You played it with your dad or your brother? No, or? I played with the, with the guys in the street. By the by, the N64, my dad wasn't yeah. playing as much games. I guess because the controller was fucking yeah. wacky as shit, too. Right, yeah, I know. Yeah. Higher, higher barrier to entry. You need uh, you need three arms to hold it properly. I mean, that's not that's a joke. You don't really need of it. But, um, the weird design, but it's interesting because that's like really the um, f- first real three-dimensionally designed controller. Yep. Because uh, the PS1 controller was designed without a joystick originally. Yep. Um, yeah, the DualShock came later. So that there was Nintendo's weird tried it. Also, I know this is your gaming history, but I have to tell this anecdote because there's no other opportunity for you to do this. Okay. You're talking about your dad uh-huh. playing multiplayer games with you, and you play some Smash with your dad or something like that, uh, or you play with your brothers. My dad loves video games. He does not play multiplayer games. Okay. Except for one time. I played... I swear this is true. Uh, maybe he can correct me, but... I played Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers 64. Right. I got the day after my Christmas that I got the N64 from my uncle. Okay. The very first console I ever owned was N64. Okay. And I, the day after I got it for Christmas, I got Smash 64. I played a game, a match against my dad, because I wanted my dad to play with me. I'm like, I used to play PC games. N64 is the first time I could play something multiplayer. I'm like, Dad, I want to play with you. Play Smash. He's like, okay. I... Th- I think he picked Fox. I don't remember what I picked. And I think I beat him. <laughs> and he never played multiplayer with me for the rest of my life. That's amazing. I, I think that's the only memory I've ever had of my dad ever playing a multiplayer game with me. I think at that moment he's like, I'm never playing multiplayer again. Fuck the shit, I lost my kid. <laughs> so. That's hilarious. Thank you for letting me tell that story. Yeah. Um, after the N64. Uh, the next thing I remember would be the Game Boy Color. Um, and this was the point that... Um, Adam and my, so my younger brothers, Adam and Daniel, were starting to come up into gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember <laughs> myself and Adam both got Game Boy Colors. Mm-hmm. And I again, I don't remember too much from the color outside of Pokemon. Yeah, gold yeah, and silver, yeah, right? Yeah. Silver. I remember I had silver. Adam had gold. Um, so <laughs> we would trade off Pokemon and stuff, and we battle each other. Um, 
And but I don't remember too much else from the color, honestly. Uh, I'm sure I played much more, but I don't really remember much else. So I guess we'll we'll go by generations at this point. Yep. So in the next generation, PS2, GameCube, Xbox, what happened there with you? I had what did you have? I had all three. Okay. But I had the PS2 and the GameCube, and the Xbox came much later because my brother wanted it, not me. Okay, I was going to say, I also don't remember you ever having an Xbox. Barely touched it outside of Halo. Yeah. Um, so the PS... Wait, I do remember we played Fusion Factory. Yeah, we played Fusion Factory. Um, <sighs> fucking Fusion Factory. <laughs> um, but the PS2 and the GameCube were kind of my two mainstays. Yeah. And honestly, like, I... Um, that's kind of where my love for JRPGs and RPGs in general started. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing a lot of games with you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my fondest memories is... Tales of Symphonia. Staying up all night playing Tales of Symphonia. Staying up literally all night, and we, we played it in that little room that we had in my house where the sun came in and so it hot. literally turned into a fucking melting pot. Yeah. And we played until your dad came to pick you up, and we I remember you calling me multiple times, and like, can you come a little later? Can you come a little later? Because we were at the ending of the game. Yeah. And that game is the one that I remember that started my love for JRPGs. Yeah. Um, I played stuff like... Uh, the Game Boy Advance was around the time as well, so I remember Golden Sun... I remember the Mega Man Battle Network series, obviously Pokemon uh, Ruby and Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mega Man Battle Network series is one of my favorite series of all time, um, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of fun memories of playing with my cousin and my brothers. Um, so that that generation, it kind of rolls all in together for me. The PS2, honestly, like I don't know if I remember too much from it. That's so interesting. I would have thought for sure you'd play the PS2 more based on how I, much you love Crash and Spiral. And I all those things. most definitely played it a lot. I just honestly don't have a lot of memories from the PS2 itself. Yeah. Uh, I remember trying Jack and Daxter. I remember getting into Kingdom Hearts only because Aaron, I played it at Aaron's mm-hmm. house. Um, I remember stuff like Sly Cooper, Sly. Sly yeah. is a big one for me from that era. Or Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank, yep. Ratchet and Clank I remember a lot of. Um, for me, Jack... Like I said, it was a much more Jack 2 and 3 than it was the original one because, yeah. again, the games changed quite a bit between yeah. themselves. Um, and the in terms of other stuff in the PS2, like I, I really don't know how much I remember. For me, that era comes to the GameCube mm-hmm. a lot um, because like I played my first Major Mario on the GameCube, which was Sunshine, right? which I fucking loved. Right. Uh, I remember getting Metroid Prime and hating it <laughs> because it was bullshit. Um, you just missed the first save point. That's like, what happened. I, yeah, I literally, I literally fucking did. Yeah. And and the, like either had that shit turn off or I died or I something. I think you died and then it's like, oh, well, now do the entire game again. And like, that's when I started being like, I'm no, I'm, if I'm fucking out, I'm out. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, like, honestly, genuinely really curious to go back to that series um, if it ever comes to the Switch. I hope it does. Um, but... And playing stuff like Mario Kart Double Dash, playing stuff like Custom Robo. Custom mm-hmm. Robo is was this like little mech, mech mini fighter where the mechs were like the size of like action figures. Yeah. Uh, I remember playing the shit out of that. I remember playing Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg with you. What genre do you think has defined your history the most? Honestly, I would have to say probably platformers with the transition towards RPGs as I got older. So what was your favorite platformer? My favorite platformer... Hmm. From growing up. From growing up would be the Crash series. Yeah. And the Ratchet and Clank, because that's not, like, flat-out platformer, no, but it's, it's not not platform. platforming. It's got platforming on this um, So, like, those series... But again, like, the more that I got into stuff like Tales of Symphonia, mm-hmm. Mega Man Battle Network, yeah. those RPG, like Golden Sun, Pokemon, yeah. the more RPGs that I did... The more you kind of the more I, The more I fell into it. 
Um, and I, like, my love for JRPGs and RPGs stands to this day. And it's always been more of the JRPG side than the Western RPGs for me. Right. Stuff like Morrowind and Oblivion and stuff, I never really got on. Skyrim was my first Elder Scrolls, and I fell off of it because yeah. just of time. Western RPGs didn't stick with you as much as JRPGs. No. Why do you think that is? I honestly think it just comes down to the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, JRPGs fit into a lot of the cliches of, like, saving the world, you know, friendship is power, and that kind of shit. And, like, as a kid, like, I fell into that stuff hard, which is why I think I fell into stuff like superheroes and stuff like from an early age, right? Like, it was always good guy versus bad guy. It was... Um, you know, the bonds right. that you have are always the most important things. Darkness right? versus light. And also, right. when you're growing up, I think those kinds of things hit you harder uh, because you're you're growing, you're trying to figure out how the world works. Like you're yeah. seeing things maybe more in black and white at first. And, and it's just the, also like just the simplicity of the story. <laughs> it's not like a questionable thing. I'm also, the good guy and I'm taking down the bad guy. And also the characters that you can spend time with and make friendships with. Exactly, right? So, like... It's matter a lot growing up. Yeah, and, like, I mean, your world are your friends growing up, right? Like, the people that you... Like, you spend just as much time with your friends as you do with your family growing up, right? From the time that you spent at school, from, like, all the memories that you have, the defining ones, sure, a bunch of them come from family, but so many of them come from your friendships. Man, that's interesting. And and would you still say JRPGs are going strong with you to this day? They are my favorite. They are my favorite genre by far. Yeah. Um. And like, so from that era, like, I mean, Xbox. I really didn't play much out of us out of stuff like Fusion Frenzy and Halo. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of fond memories of playing Halo Two with my brothers, um, and always completely stomping them to the ground. Um, they're both like, you know, Adam, between Adam and I, there's a four year gap and between Daniel and I, there's a six. Yeah. Um, so obviously I had the upper hand, Yeah. but I never let them forget it. Um, <laughs> and there were times where like they would team up on me and stuff. And like, I just, or even shit like when Adam and I were playing and Daniel was still too young, giving him a controller that wasn't plugged in, but telling him that it was doing shit like that. Like, I just, like, gaming for me has always been a very social thing. It's always been, like, our sleepovers growing up Mm -hmm. where we had a group of, like, five or six of us who were best friends, right? Like, there was just a crew. And whenever we did sleepovers, that's all we did. We'd play Super Smash Bros. until through all hours of the night. Um, Super Smash Bros. Melee is one of my favorite games of all time just because of the memories that we made playing that shit together. Um, I have such fond memories of, like, me and Al... Mm-hmm. being like the last two left and just dodge rolling around each other constantly after we had just knocked you out and like we fucking like you know high percentage and just always dancing around each other and that why that that's like that's one of the reasons why that game is so special to me because yeah. there was never one of us that was a lot better than the other yeah it was always narrow victories and yeah. it could go any way shape or form um and the other game from that PS2 area actually era that actually now that I think about it is DDR Oh, yes. I, that's probably the only rhythm game that really stuck with you that much. Uh, Guitar, Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero and yeah, Rock Band. Hero. I play a lot of okay. both of them as well. Um, but DDR was the one that I remember like playing the shit out of. Yeah. So, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but does that, it, it, it seems like that also actually influenced you a lot to be kind of be the social person that you are today, because I always remember it was you hosting things to bring people over to play video games. And... Do you I th- think the games you played had that kind of influence on you? I think they definitely did. And like I said, like even from early memories of leaving school at lunch, like for the lunch break to go home and eat pizza and play video games, yeah. right? Like this this pastime for me, this hobby, has always been something that I've built relationships around and have grown with people. 
while playing, right? And yeah. like one of the biggest things that has tied me and you together and us, like you know, our, our group of friends was the games that we were playing and the different things that we could do. I mean, even now, living consonants away from the people that we grew up with, we still keep in touch because of the games that we play. And the, that so gaming for me has always been very social and I think that has helped me kind of branch out a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why we started this, right? I mean, was that's to... That's why we kind of, yeah, brought the podcast to this. Right? It was to let other people share in this with us. And... Mm-hmm. I think, Darren, what we're going to have to do is next time we're alone, I think we're going to have to cut news entirely and finish up both of our gaming histories. Yes, I was going to say, uh, first of all, you hear that, game developers? That's why split screen still matters. Yep. Um, so you can build these relationships. And second, I, yeah, we've been talking a lot about this, and I think it's come to an interesting point, but I want to explore more. Neither of us got really past that GameCube PS2. Yep. Xbox era. So next time we'll have to come together on it. Yep. Um, so decision time. Want to talk a little bit about Marvel? Let's give ourselves a little bit of a Marvel. Yeah. Let's give it like 10 minutes max. We don't get a... Destiny likes the Marvel Universe too, I believe. She likes it fine. But She's not in it as we are. Yeah, me and Matt, we, we obsess over it. We go full board. So Matt... I want to ask you, there are a bunch of things coming out. The next couple years for Marvel Universe is going to be crazy. Endgame was the ending of one book, and a new book starts. Yep. Um, And so to give a little rundown, the next year will be a little lighter. We've got, in terms of movies, only the Black Widow movie coming out and the Eternals movie. Yep. But we're going to have a Disney Plus series, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yep. That's a standard Marvel year. Three kind of things. Franchises, yep. Um, but then, in 2021, we're getting Shang-Chi. We're getting WandaVision. We're getting Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're getting Loki. We're getting Spider-Man. We're getting Hawkeye. We're getting Thor, Love, and Thunder. That is, what, eight? Se- seven? I didn't count. I should have counted when I said that. Seven different Marvel seven. MCU-related MCU things. MCU-related things announced so far, there's a possibility that She-Hulk, or and or Miss Marvel, and or uh, Moon Knight can also show up at that point. And then in you know 2022, you've got Black Panther and pro- probably Blade. Holy crap! We there's are going to get flooded. So Matt, what are you most excited for on that list and why? So I'm going to give you my most excited and then I'll give you kind of like a little runner-up and why. Okay. So the one I'm honestly most excited for is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Interesting. Um, I loved... So we know Zemo's coming back as, as one of the villains. Yes, purple um, mask and all. Purple mask and all. And I loved him in Civil War. Yeah, he was great. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, their relationship was one of the standout things for me in Civil War as well. And Captain America... And I think that's a large part of because of Chris Evans, quickly became one of my favorite superheroes because of his portrayal. Yeah. And now that uh, spoilers going forward, but now that the world is left without him, yeah. Um, I'm really curious to see how Falcon takes up the mantle, and if he does. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he yeah. will. But I'm I'm really really curious about this one, and I'm really excited about it. I love these characters, and I think it's going to be a really interesting way to take a look into their personas a little yeah. bit more deeply. And especially because, like, especially Falcon, 
he's a regular dude. Yeah. Like, he's a guy in a suit. Just, just a man, man with a jetpack. Exactly. And I think his rise to kind of become the next Captain America is going to be a really cool fucking thing to see. As well as Bucky's journey to... Be a hero. Be himself again. again right? right? Like, so far all we've seen him do is be brainwashed and live in Wakanda, right? Yeah. So like, I'm, <laughs> and then fight a bit. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really, really curious to see kind of what he does. Um, What's your runner-up? My runner-up is honestly Shang-Chi. Interesting and choice. the reason that that is is because of Simu Liu. Yeah, the actor. The main actor who's going to be playing Shang-Chi. Yeah. I have never been a fan of Shang-Chi in the comics only because I don't know too much about him, yeah. honestly, but the absolute fever that this guy's been in since he got casted. <laughs> I'm a fan of him since watching Kim's Convenience and I think that his energy and his charisma could carry this character pretty far. Um, he's also just kind of a more martial arts dude so I think mm-hmm. it's kind of be interesting to see that he's kind of character on screen. He seems to really care about the character too. He does lot. and he's so hyped and because again he is an Aaron Mills native so he uh, did grow up. Shout out to was, Mississauga. Shout out to Mississauga where we grew up. Right. <laughs> um, I'm really optimistic about it and I'm really excited to see him because like he's been campaigning for superhero movies for years. Yeah. And now he has his light, he has a spot, and he's going to be on the world stage kicking ass. And I'm really excited for him. What excites me the most about that movie is seeing martial arts done in the Marvel Universe in hopefully a good way, because I wasn't super impressed by Iron Fist. We don't talk about Iron Fist. (laughs) That's good. That's a good couple. You mean uh, Danny Rand, the immortal Iron Fist? Sworn Enemy of the Hand, Protector of Kun Lun? Yeah. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Obviously. Of course. Uh, Darren, what what are you hyped for? So... My runner-up, and this might shock you, my runner-up is Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. Multiverse and Madness. Doctor Strange is my favorite superhero. Uh, That's pretty much the reason why he's my runner-up. Right. Because Doctor Strange was done much better in Infinity War and Endgame, but I was never that impressed with the Doctor Strange movie. I think visually it was really good, but I was never really sold on Benedict Cumberbatch. It got better for me after I watched it a few more times. I wasn't yeah. the biggest fan of it initially. Yeah. And I still think it's fine. It's I think it's fine. a fine origin movie, but yeah. I think it's time to let him do his own thing because Doctor Strange in the comics is always super wise and mysterious and cryptic and you didn't really get that until he showed up in Thor. And yep. doc, doc, like So I want to see him with that kind of um, energy in his own movie, especially the fact that he's going to be paired with Scarlet Witch and I'm super excited to see Scarlet Witch in a role where her magic gets, like, thrown to the forefront. Yeah, and it's put in the spotlight. Uh, because she has not had a fair shake. And we're, with WandaVision and Doctor Strange back-to-back, it's going to be the year of Scarlet Witch. Well, I'm super excited. We do know that uh, WandaVision does lead into Scarlet Witch. Yes. Uh, into uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. So. Um, and so, I also, the rumored, heavily rumored villain of Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is Nightmare. And Nightmare's probably my favorite Doctor Strange villain as well. What about him? Uh, I don't know too much about him. Uh, basically, his power comes from, he's basically like Freddy Krueger, where he puts you into the nightmare dimension. Okay. And he gets his power by you not knowing you're in a nightmare. Interesting. So, he's doing everything he can to try and manipulate you to mess with you to think everything's real while he kind of takes over your mind. Interesting. And he's very... It's a really good Doctor Strange villain, it sounds like, then. And for Scott Derrickson, who said that he wants to make the 
MCU's first scary superhero movie. Yeah. Because he made horror films in the past, and to, Nightmare's the perfect villain for that. Uh, but my actual most excited movie is Eternals. Really? Yes. Why? Because I know nothing about the Eternals. They are straight out of left field. And they seem to be with surprisingly in a fairly cosmic light uh, phase. Uh, the only other cosmic movie in this phase is um, Thor Love and Thunder. Right. Um, and possibly Loki and Wanda and Doctor Strange with elements in there. But I am a huge, huge fan of the cosmic MCU first and foremost. And Eternal seems like it's going hard. It's got a stacked cast with uh, Kamal Nanjiani. Is yeah. that how I say his name? Kamal Nanjiani, yeah. Nanjiani. Uh, with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. With uh, Kit Harrington. Yep. With uh, Richard, Richard Madden. Madden. Yep. With, uh, I forget his name, but the actor from Atlanta, who is fantastic in that. Um, it's also got one of my favorite actors from Train to Busan. Yeah, I remember. I was just trying to look up his name. I, but can't, I can't remember all their names, but like I... the cast is... Oh, and Selma Hayek. Oh, yeah. my God. The star power. This, it sounds like it's going to span possibly like centuries. Yeah. Like it's going to be a cosmic epic. I'm picturing something the scale of like the Odyssey. Like it's... I, I, I cannot wait to see Marvel go even harder into Cosmic Bazaar and see what they can do with such a strange cast of characters. I'm really, really curious to see what they're going to do with it because I agree, I know next to nothing yeah. about them. And there's got to be... Is why, which is why I think my hype is the lowest for this. Right. But I, I, I love that unknown. And for me, just like introducing Guardians of the Galaxy, I have a feel they're not introducing them unless they have a reason to introduce yeah, them. Yeah, there's a plan. So... We'll what? See. Let's let's do one more quick one. What's a shout out? Which one are you? Which which series coming up? You just want to shout out? Uh, I also want to shout out Wandavision. That was gonna be my shout out too. Yeah. So we'll agree on. Why do you want to shout out Wandavision? I'm really curious about what the fuck this is gonna be because from a lot of reports and a lot of rumors going around, especially the shit like that, it's going to start sitcom style and shift as the series progresses. Yeah. With like rumors of each episode being like a different, different era of sitcom with like yeah. one being like a 60 style 70 styles and it kind of growing into an a, actual superhero thing and parts of it are even supposed to be filmed in front of a live audience yeah that's like i have no idea what the fuck to expect and like yeah. the only teaser art that we got was them sitting in like a suburban house with like yeah. the out like the outlines of their costumes in in the background i'm predicting a slow descent into insanity for wanda and slow descents into insanity is basically code for Darren. Watch this. Yeah, I'm really, really, really curious to see what they're gonna do with that. I'm obviously hyped for Spider Man. I'm obviously hyped for Black yeah. Panther too. But like, well, I mean, we know nothing about Spider Man at the moment. We no. know nothing about Black Panther. But like, those ones for me are like WandaVision for me is like I want to give it a shout out because I it's a giant question mark for me in the best way. Yeah. Can we just get to 2021 already? Honestly, like I'm I'm super 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 curious to see how the MCU is going to shake out in the next few years, especially cuz we know they they don't really want to do another Thanos level event in terms of like long form storytelling, yeah, be like shorter cycles and things. So like I'm that. curious to see what they're going to do, and especially now that they have Fox, what they're going to do going forward. <laughs> well, thank you Matt for joining me. That's the end of the podcast. Darren, you did good, man. Thanks. You hosted the crap out of this thing. I tried my best, but you, nothing beats the truest god of all hosts, Matt the Grillmaster. I am the Grillmaster of hosts. I grill those hosts and I serve them up. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us. It really means a lot 
send us your information because I want to talk to you and get your ideas. That sounded really creepy. Social security that. number, <laughs> credit card information. <laughs> if you see any your purchases licenses for Cookie Clicker, <laughs> that's that's definitely not Dobby Darren. Send us your questions. Send us your feedback. We want to know. Shout out to us on Instagram. Yep, Burnout Brighter Seven. We're going to be up on Facebook really shortly. It seems like next week. We're just finishing up banners and stuff. So that'll be up very soon. Um, and yeah, if you've been with us this long, thank you so much for checking us out. And I love you and I want to kiss every single one of you on the cheek. Uh, as long as as long as you're okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Check us out in all the cool spot, podcast places. Leave likes, reviews, share. Tell, us, tell your friends. Tell, tell your dog. Tell your friend's dog. Tell your dog's dog. All right. Matt, say bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Good night. We should start a new segment called Who's That Moan? Oh my god. No. <laughs> we should just take his moans and turn it into a beat. And that could be the new intro. Like, <laughs> <laughs>